Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. And hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network, coming to you from the Jim Plunkett Studio in the heart of the downtown Severna Park Business District, in the vicinity of the semi-historic, shores of the semi-historic Magadie River. You are listening to Maryland's leading political talk show, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Griffiths, with me in studio, Greg Klein. Good to be here. We got a lot to talk about here tonight. We were going to have Ryan Nydak from the Montgomery County Teenage Republicans on to talk about the... Uh, Montgomery County graduation scandal. You might have seen that hit the paper um, earlier this week. We're going to have, um, we're going to talk about the governor's vetoes, what he vetoed, what he didn't veto, and we're going to talk a little bit about our friends. You can't see air quotes on the radio in, on the, uh, you in, the, in the Baltimore cycling community. Now, as we know, this has been um, Maryland Podcast Month. We are now winding down Maryland Podcast Month. And one of the things that we've been doing throughout the month is having a podcast host join us on the show to discuss their podcast. And we have very spe- three very special guests this week. Joining us on the hotline, uh, we've got Austin, Mike, and Jamel, and they host a podcast called The Hunt Club. And as long as our technology works, they will be here with us. Gentlemen, can you hear us? We can. Yeah, How are you fellas doing tonight? <laughs> Thanks for having us on. Uh, we're happy to happy to have you guys on. Tell folks a little bit. A lot of our view, our listeners, our viewers may not be familiar uh, with the Hunt Club podcast. Tell That's folks a little bit. Not. Tell yeah. folks a little bit about your show. You know, kind of what what you guys <laughs> talk about. A little different. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically it's uh three friends, it's the three of us, uh me, Mike and Austin. Austin's my uh, little brother. Uh Mike is pretty much my uh my adoptive brother. I've known him since senior year of high school and uh we've pretty much grown up together and uh it's, we pretty much sit down and we uh we give our takes on pop culture, politics, relationships, music, pretty much anything um that's going on that's hot right now. We're gonna give our take on that. Our u- unique Baltimore uh relatively young, experiences uh, liberal, yeah. liberal liberal perspective on that well very good what what made you guys decide to start a podcast well um if i could jump oh, in uh, the, the biggest reason is is one we all live together and um all of the crazy stories the <laughs> the revolving nights of girls coming over the drunken nights in the club losing mic um it kind of made us we had I, I get lost a lot and <laughs> yeah right so we had stories to tell, and uh, we didn't think people would be interested in it at first, but it really took off once we started telling our story and uh, giving our insight. And we had our own, like, debates as well. Um, I think the, fir- the first one that I could probably remember is um, the Coney 2012 thing. I don't know if you guys remember that yeah, um, I, as well. Sure. But oh, was yeah, we, that was a big thing in our part. That was, like, <laughs> the hugest argument that we had because I was on the side of it was all BS. Stuff just didn't add up. Mike was all in on it. That we had this huge debate. In I was house. drunk at the moment. Um, but, yeah, that's probably the earliest. Um, and then we – I mean, that pretty much just uh, translates into the show. Yeah. So we throw out some topics. And we do everything um, live. So we we might have the topics out there, but I really don't know their perspective on cer- certain things until we go on air, which makes it that much funnier. Yeah, interesting. And authentic. Now, when you say – when you guys yeah, do it live, are you we actually – all have, like, a natural chemistry. 
are you guys going like live? Like, is your feed going out? Kind of like how we we do a live show. Um, so, are you guys doing it live, or do you tape it and kind of edit it edit it later? Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's edited. It's recorded in the okay. studio, and then we edit it later. Yeah, recorded. Live. But we don't really edit. So we we have out- yeah we have yeah. things that happen. So the only thing that we're editing is for time frame for the time okay. frame but everything that you see everything you hear is is, is, is raw it's not like we yep. take out things that might not be politically correct everything is yeah. thrown out there for people to digest well I, i'll tell you guys i i uh first off thanks for participating in maryland podcast month we're trying to showcase a lot of different podcasts that are very different from what we do here at red maryland but locally produced i, I did check out your most recent podcast i watched on youtube i found it I found it fascinating. I mean, if you had a Venn diagram of our two audiences, it would probably look like the tires on a bicycle. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, but I will I agree, man. Yeah, but I will attest. It's a fun show. It's exactly what you guys are talking about. It's it's personality driven. You guys are talking about stuff. I was fascinated, and this will shock you. This is not something I've ever given much thought to because it doesn't happen to me. But you guys had a fascinating mm-hmm. discussion about what to do when you receive a naked picture of a woman, and. When you show it, when you don't show it, what makes a good one? It was fascinating. I, I like to announce that I'm in a committed relationship and I don't get those things. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And you did say that I'm on the show, and I appreciate I appreciate that caveat. But it's not something that – being married for 23 years, it's not something that I come across and I've never really given any thought, and I thought you guys had a fascinating perspective on it. So that's the yeah, kind of fun it. stuff yeah, yeah, on the Hunt Club. Yeah, that's and that's what we want to do. I mean, we have uh, we 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 have a, a majority of you know younger crowd, but we definitely get you know uh, audience members that reach out to us and they don't know that such and such was happening in our culture. So it's kind of like transcending yeah. not only age but ethnicities, political views, and things like that because we talk about so much. So I mean, it's yeah, exactly. a prime example, but we have other yeah. people come in and tell us the same exact thing. So that's a uh, that's always a good sign when we get people that's not really in our, you know, crowd, so, uh, so to speak, to kind of understand where we're coming from and we're introducing them to a different outlook on life. No, I definitely recommend people check it out. It's a lot of fun. Well, to let's let's to. talk about that really quick because, you know, you talked about how you guys kind of started out kind of as a Baltimore focus. Let's talk about your audience really quickly. When I had um, when I had Jay on last week from, from the Hub Show, uh, his show started out as a Hagerstown-focused show. And then he realized that he was getting this audience from around the country, around the world. So now it's kind of taken on a more a more general focus. What does your audience look like? Is it really Baltimore centric? Has it kind of expanded beyond the scope of of just about the Baltimore community? And how has that how has that affected or not affected the way you guys approach the show? I guess it's, well, it's more of oh, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, well, uh, and I'll I'll say it real quick, Jamel, so you can jump in. But surprisingly, when we first started, um, we thought that, you know, with three guys talking, it would be predominantly males listening to the show. But to our surprise, a lot of our audience are women. And we get a lot of good feedback from women because now they are seeing how guys think. And, you know, we're not on the first date where we're putting up a front. You're getting raw ideas from guys that really don't care. So, to our surprise, I mean, our audience were young women, and then it was also women outside of Baltimore. It was also an audience outside of Baltimore that would reach out to us, California, Atlanta, things like that that would reach out to us. So uh, you can take it yeah. away, you know, but that's something that was surprising to me. That's where some of those pictures um, were coming from. Yeah. Right? Um, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, but pretty much. I don't think it's been a a loca- I don't think it's been a location thing more than the um, I guess the like a age and a race demographic. Like so, I thought that starting out that it would be more of a um, a black oriented type of show, young black millennials. But we've gotten a lot of feedback, um, also said from women and also from you know people uh, Caucasian people, people from all walks of life. Um, that the tuning in and looking at it just pretty much of of a uh, getting a perspective from you know young black men and you know certain situations that we're put in that they wouldn't normally uh, you know experience so they have a certain perspective on you know relations in, in Baltimore with like the Squeegee Boys or something like that and then yeah. they hear our take on it and it's completely different so. I don't think that it's been like a Baltimore thing because we have a lot of listeners in the, in the D.C. and the, uh, Arlington, the VA area, because we uh, we kind of check the analytics on that. So, and, and Philly, yeah, Philly's a, is a big uh, is a big location as well. So, yeah, well, that's really awesome. But I think we also, you know, always looking to expand our audience because you know, we definitely pride ourselves on giving the, like the everyman perspective that you know people can relate to. So, uh, we definitely are not like setting out parameters for a particular location. Cause we, we do want to you know put something out there that everyone can listen to like throughout the country. Well, so, but all... to see, when I moved to when I moved to Philly, I did kind of and notice that our Philly, we got, we're getting a bigger audience. I think I incorporated Philly into it a little bit more because yeah. we were just keeping it authentically Baltimore where we were speaking about the, we had Ravens talks, we were having Orioles talks. And things like that, and you notice, hey, we have some people in LA that listening. We have some people in DC and, yeah. and Philly that's listening. So let's, uh, you know, I had to, you know, drop the fly eagles fly because we know there's some Philly people listening. <laughs> well, definitely don't let them hear. Don't don't let them hear that in the Washington market for crying out loud. <laughs> no. <laughs> have, have you guys expanded? Um, you know, we've expanded. We've done. You know, we'll do appearances. We'll do live events. You guys have. You know, put on any events where you get to meet your listeners, go out and talk to folks, or you know, have any of those kind of one-on-one interactions with the folks who listen to the show. It's definitely yeah, but it's uh, what we want to do a live podcast uh, at like a restaurant or bar. Uh, but we just need to like work out the details. Nothing has actually kind of actualized, but that's something we definitely want to do. Yeah, it's definitely a good thing to do. I I can tell you that we've done stuff, um, you know, like the Green Turtle and places like that. You know, places that have like a back room they'll hold for you. So you might might want to reach out to reach out to one of those type places. They'll be cool, I imagine. They'll well, I mean, just I'm trying to help, Greg. I don't know that you are being a team player. Being a team player here. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. We appreciate that. (laughs) So if you if. You guys had to any of our listeners who haven't started a podcast yet. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to them? And you guys can, you know, just have one piece of advice. So you guys can round robin it. What would be one piece of advice before starting a show? Well, I would say uh, my biggest thing is start a podcast with one pe- people that you're close with, and then people that talk. I think one of the biggest things that we've seen when we went to other uh, podcasts or other radio stations as guest spots is that it's not that authentic kind of relationship where they're uh, open to talk to people. So when people are starting podcasts, just make sure that you have the right people around you. Make sure you have some structure, know your topics, and then also know know the audience that you're trying to that you're trying to appease to or audience that you're trying to make the topics interesting to because you'll you'll hear people talk about things that, you know, only they want to talk to or that, or that only interest them personally and um we've tried that with like football and talking sports all the time and sometimes 
our listeners, because our listeners have become women, they're just not interested in it. So figure out what your audience is, get some good people around you, and just be authentic and let the let the conversation flow. That's good advice. Fantastic advice. Um, yep. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah. Same. Uh, so I would say, uh, yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah, same is just be, be prepared. Um, I think be, be professional. Um, I've heard podcasts that just sound, you know, bad, like they haven't prepared for certain topics or, you know, they just kind of are nervous and things like that. So have confidence, have confidence in your topics, be prepared with your topics, be interesting. Like Austin said, know who your audience is and kind of, uh, you want to be authentic to yourself, but also know what people are listening to and be interesting. So, like I said, I was listening. I've been listening to certain podcasts, and it's just, you know, kind of monotone and, uh, you know, just talking and, you know, it just you're putting on a show. You're entertaining, so be entertaining. Just kind of uh, put yourself in the listener's uh, shoes and what what appeals to me. What would I look for in a show in a show that would keep my attention? If you're not doing, especially if you're not doing video, because this is just an audio you know, type of situation. So what would keep my attention? So just keep that in mind when you're doing it. Just be entertaining. It's an entertainment uh, uh, venue at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, I I can't recommend it enough. I, I really found it fascinating and, and fun to listen to. For folks who want to listen to The Hunt Club, where can they find it? Mike? Yeah, you can find The Hunt Club podcast everywhere. We're on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh Google, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes. It's all um, the Hunt Club podcast, and then we also have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Facebook is the Hunt Club podcast. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is Hunt Club 4.0. So anywhere your preferred uh, listening outlet, we, we definitely have something there for you. Well, Austin, Mike, and Jamel from the, the Hunt Club podcast, thanks for joining us. we got a link at redmaryland.com. Thanks for participating in uh, Maryland Podcast Month, marylandpodcastmonth.com, and uh, best of luck. And thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, you guys were great. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks, guys. Enjoy the work, too. Have a good show. All right, thanks. All right, thanks. Appreciate yeah, it. Have that. a good one. So we appreciate those guys coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Was, uh, yeah, they definitely have a lot of fun doing that, and it's awesome. And great advice, by the way. It's a fantastic Be real advice. and be entertaining. Don't That's, buy. And prepare. That, don't, those are things we ought to do. <laughs> That's really good advice. Greg, why don't you hit me with one ad, and then we'll uh, we will come back. You just want one ad? I just want one ad. And you want to come back and um, had to come back. <laughs> Why don't you play the ad from the 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 dinner that we're about to talk about? Right. The, the cars there. Stick with us. You're listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. We'll be right back. You are invited to the first annual Montgomery County Teenage Republicans Banquet on Tuesday, June the 11th. Join guest speaker former Governor Bob Ehrlich at Buca de Beppo, 122 Kentlands Avenue in Gaithersburg. This event is free for teenage Republicans. $40 for adults. For more information, contact Ryan Nyadak at ryan at nyadak.net. That's R-Y-A-N at G-N-I-A-D-E-K.net. Or Dwight Patel at Dwight at DwightNation.com. Authority Montgomery County Republican Central Committee, Don Irvine Treasurer.
Be prepared. That's that's the lesson that we got from the guys at the Hunt Club. That song you're probably not going to hear on the Hunt Club would be my guess. We are back. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I'm Brian. He is Greg. Thanks again to the guys on the Hunt Club. Be sure to check out their show. Thanks to everybody who has participated in Maryland Podcast Month. We can't appreciate the uh, any more the twenty odd sum. Um, and and yeah, I mean those guys those guys are great. And you got and I and I have listened to the podcast. You could not find two more different podcasts than this show and the Hunt Club. But you know we're able to collaborate and, and cross promote, and it was very cool having them on the show. And and I think a lot of you will actually find it pretty fun to listen to. It's certainly something different, and certainly something that if you want a different perspective, um, you'll get check it, it out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the hotline right now, joining us uh, is the chairman for a little m- mile longer, the chairman of the Montgomery County Teenage Republicans, Ryan Nyduck. Ryan, how you doing? Ryan, are you there? Ryan Nyadak. On the air. Oh, this could be. Let's try this again. Well, we know we're broadcasting. We know we're going. Yes, we do. Ryan Nyadak. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Good. Can you hear me? Hey, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Probably had mute like a good person calling in. And (laughs) there you go. How are you doing? (laughs) That that well. (laughs) Be prepared. Be entertaining. Turn oh, down, t- turn your turn radio down, down Facebook. Yeah, turn. Yeah, we got a feedback loop going on here. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, okay. He'll catch up, but oh, he, oh, he dropped off. Oh dear. He'll call back, perhaps. You know, and again, be prepared. John, be entertaining. And John and Tim from the Maryland Crabs go. wonder. Oh, here's another. Okay, here why we, we? You know, they think we're crazy for doing. Caller, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. This is. This is Ryan. Oh, Hi, Ryan. Ryan. How, okay. are you? How are you doing? doing it from my com- I was doing it from my computer, and then the browser froze right when you called on me, of course. Oh, okay. But now we're live. Of course. Well, yeah, because then we heard it in the background. It's like 10 seconds ago, and it's like, caller, turn down your radio. But anyway, um, obviously, you're a Montgomery County public school student for a little while longer. When's your actual graduation? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Hey, congratulations. congratulations. Uh, so you're a public, sc- you. a public school student in Montgomery County for a few more hours. Um, obviously, I wrote about this at RedMaryland.com last night, at least uh, as it relates to Kerwin and why Kerwin's going to be a disaster. If you haven't read that story, check it out. But the big story that came out of Montgomery County schools is the fact that a number of students in Montgomery County just skipped class, up to 40, 50-some classes, and still were able to graduate. As somebody who is graduating from Montgomery County Public Schools tomorrow, what are what are your thoughts on this? What's your perspective? Well, it, it was shocking to see the article, but when you think about it, it's not really a surprise. MCPS, or Montgomery County Public Schools, has been continually lowering the bar, lowering the bar on education, and this has just been a culmination of all of that. And the sad part is, and this is really something that was pointed out by your article last night about the Kerwin Commission is Montgomery County is the breeding ground for ideas across the state, for better or for worse, and it's really for worse. Um, And this is just leading to the same bad ideas across the state with the Kerwin Commission. We have continued to throw more and more funding into our schools in Montgomery County, only to see homework eliminated in some elementary schools, a new grading system making it easier to pass classes, no more final exams in high school. And now it turns out you can miss 47 days of English class and still graduate high school. Which is an entire semester. Let's point out, that's about an entire semester's worth of English. 
Wow. It's just, yeah. it's astounding. You can basically yeah. be gone half of the time and still graduate. It's <sighs> absurd. It's really, I mean, it shows you where we're going. And this is why it's great that Governor Hogan's pushing for more accountability with, as a, as a um, condition for current funding. But of course, the teachers union, the education special interests are pushing back against that because that goes against everything they're doing. Look at Montgomery County. Well, I'm sure that you've kind of not necessarily talked to teachers in your school about this, but I'm sure you've kind of overheard some of the chit chat about accountability and, you know, Governor Hogan's push for accountability and how the union just hates the idea and the, even the thought of accountability. Have you gotten any perspective by hook or by crook from any of your teachers about uh, their thoughts on accountability? Um, I think that a lot of the pushback from against these accountability measures is not coming from the rank and file teachers, but from the union. I don't, the hardcore union people that are really, it's just, it's a vocal minority that kind of ruins it for everyone else. So right, I think right. I would anticipate that the average teacher who gets got into teaching because they want to help kids learn is frustrated by this because how can you teach someone when they're absent half the time? That's not, you're not able to do your job. And so I think that that is the perspective that I, that I've overseen overheard being in the school is that while some people are very strongly pushing for these reforms, which are being done in the name of equity, which is a whole other issue, the most teachers are really frustrated by what's going on. But unfortunately, central office isn't listening to their concern. Do you get the sense from some that maybe the parents of your fellow graduates that, you know, you guys have worked very hard to accomplish what you've accomplished and get that diploma that you're getting tomorrow? And do you hear comments that when they read things like this in the paper, that they're they're angry that people can basically do nothing and still get a essentially the same diploma that you're getting. I think that some people definitely look at that look at it that way, but then there's a whole another perspective of that people there's a whole another perspective of people not pushing themselves the way they should because they know that this is an option. Maybe not to this extent, but I'll give you an example. I'm, at my school in particular, they implemented a new policy this year. If you need, if you miss more than five classes, you have your force failed unless if you do some sort of credit recovery option. But then it turned out that wasn't enforced. So then what started happening was, as seniors tend to do, people stopped showing up to class on a regular basis. They didn't miss 47 days, but they might have missed eight to 10 days. So people were taking advantage of that. Oh, I'm going to get an A anyways. What difference does that make? And now, in the short term, they don't see any consequences to that. In the long term, I think it's really going to hurt people because they're not getting out of it the same thing that they would have if they were actually in class learning. And I think we'll start to see the negative effects of that more and more over time as this continues. It's only been a few years where MCPS has had these terrible policies, and hopefully they won't go to the rest of the state, but it seems that we're heading that direction. We'll see 10 years from now how this all turns out. I don't think it'll be pretty. Well, okay, well, just think about that. Let's look 10 years into the future. You've, you've now... Um, gone through the school system for four years and you've seen it and I'm putting words into your mouth so correct me if I'm wrong you've seen the school system kind of deteriorate continuously through that four years is that a fair assessment? I think that that's definitely fair but I don't think it's only limited to four years it's limited to the last 30 years but continue well yeah that kind of goes to my question what is you know if, if this is the if this is the glide path we're on 
you know, Kerwin money is not going to fix this. Montgomery County has got more money, you know, to, to spend on schools than anybody else and will continue to do so even after the readjustments after Kerwin. Montgomery County is allegedly the gold standard when it comes to public education in the state of Maryland, but we're seeing, you know, we're seeing these kind of stories come out and others. What's the glide path? Like, where does this end in 10 years? As, you know, per your suggestion, in 2030, what are we talking about has happened to Montgomery County Public Schools? I think what's going to happen is one statement I like that's a really good analogy for this is Robin Ficker used this during his county executive campaign. Every Montgomery County child deserves a Montgomery County education. Obviously, I don't know this firsthand because I wasn't alive 30 years ago, but supposedly 30 years ago, the worst school in Montgomery County was the envy of the rest of the state. Now it's definitely not that way. And I think you could adjust that statement to say every Maryland child deserves a Maryland quality education, but that's no longer going to be the case. We're continuing to lower the bar in the name of equity. And this, the root cause of this is what it really is, is trying to close the achievement gap, which is a well-intentioned goal. But what they're doing is instead of trying to rise the lowest performers up, they're bringing everyone else down. They're saying, oh, we've got to get rid of final exams. We've got to get rid of you, you no longer have to earn your A. We'll give it to you on a much easier grading scheme, things of that nature that just bring everyone down to a lower level. And that's what's happening. And it's not its not solving the problem. It just makes it seem like it's solved on the surface level. And it just continues to get worse. Yeah, regression to the mean, they call that. Uh, Ryan, let me uh, let me give you a chance because I know you're, you're very active with the teenage Republicans. We played the, the uh, ad for your – you got an event coming up. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, we'll be having, we're very grateful to Governor Ehrlich for coming to Montgomery County on June, on June 11th for our first ever Montgomery County Teenage Republican Banquet. The banquet will be at Duke of the Depot in McKellen at, I think it's 7.30. Let me confirm the time here. Yes, it will be at Duke of the Depot in McKellen at 6.30, sorry. At 6.30, free for teenage Republicans, anyone from all over the state. It does not have to be from Montgomery County. We'd love to get more people involved in other counties, and then hopefully they'll go start their own clubs. Um, it's $40 for adults. There's sponsorship options available. This is really just an event to try to get more young people involved in the Republican Party, more young people to come and combat this sort of bad decision-making that's going on, which leads to things like this happening in Montgomery County Public Schools. And, and and if people want tickets to that, how can they reach out? They can either send me an email at ryan at m at ryan ryan at nidek g n i a d e k dot net. That's ryan at nidek dot net, or they can go to the website at www.mcgop.com slash tars banquet twenty nineteen. That's www.mcgop.com slash Tars Banquet 2019. And Red Maryland, a proud sponsor of that banquet. No, we're happy to do it, and, and we yeah. love the, what the teenage Republicans do and, and appreciate your leadership in that for a while. Uh, it is Maryland Podcast Month, and we had the guys from the Hunt Club on earlier. I know you're involved with a, on a podcast with, our, with our, uh, our friend Dwight Patel. Do you want to put a plug in for that? Yeah, I'll definitely put a plug in for that. We do it most Fridays on Facebook. It's called Dr. Politics and the Political Architect Show. We're not, you'll have to catch us next week. We're not doing it this week because uh, I have my graduation tomorrow, so we canceled the episode. But earlier you mentioned with the Hunt Club podcast that the Venn diagram of your audience is like two wheels on a bicycle. Our Venn diagram is probably one big circle. I think we're going towards the same people. We're a little more nationally focused, but 
we get, we talk about various issues facing the country. We've had a lot of fun talking about the cesspool that is the Democrat candidates for president. And we'd love to have you tune in. It's Dr. Politics and the Political Architect Show on Facebook. Yeah, and I know that uh, I, Dwight's been trying to get me on there for a while and our schedules don't mix. So I look forward to joining you guys here at some point in the near future. I know that Dwight, Dwight wanted me to come on to talk about baseball. Um, which is very important. Well, they, talk, they should have you yeah. on to talk about baseball in the Hunt Club because they were talking about baseball in that. Very true. That would be fun. You on the Hunt Club would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm sure it would be a great time. Talk about baseball and Brian on to talk about Maryland politics. Well, there you go. That's an we idea. We talk about all of it. There you go. We talk about baseball yeah, on this show from time to time. We do. So, Ryan, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Congratulations on making it through Congratulations, yes. the public school system. And, of course, he, you're off to Virginia Tech this fall. So uh, we, will, uh, we will talk to you again soon. Yep. Thank you for having me on. And sorry about the phone issues at the beginning of the interview. Trust that's me, okay. that's not the worst technical issues we've ever had. So no, threat We love technology. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Talk to you later. Um, Bye-bye. Why don't we have a palate cleanser? Let's throw some ads out there, and then we'll come back, and we'll get hot and heavy on gubernatorial vetoes. How's that? Hot and heavy. All right. Okay. Stick with Let's us. Let's do that. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. You were invited to the 2019 Montgomery County Republican Party Lincoln Day Dinner, featuring guest speaker Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford. This dinner takes place on Monday, June 17th at the Doubletree Hotel, 8120 Wisconsin Avenue in Bethesda. Sponsorship opportunities are available. For tickets and more information, visit mcgop.com and click on 2019 LDD. Authority Montgomery County Republican Central Committee, Don Irvine, Treasurer. Yes, I love technology. You are invited to the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference, which comes at you on Saturday, January the 11th, 2020, from the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join us as we hear guest speakers including Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Doug Mayer from the 2018 Hogan for Governor campaign, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers from WBAL Radio, Maria Sophia, the chair of the Maryland Young Republicans, Ian Patrick Hines, Rory McShane, and a host of other fantastic speakers. This conference will help prepare the groundwork for your next election success and the success of conservatism across the state. Tickets are on sale now. The conference sold out in 2019, so you are not going to want to miss out on buying your tickets today. Go to RedMarylandConference.com to learn how to buy your ticket, your sponsorship, or your vendor table. That's RedMarylandConference.com. Go buy your tickets today for the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference. Well, because they got great banter. They jib-jab. Jib-jab, jib-jab, jib-jab. I use it for the car. I do. Because my stereo is busted. The National Federation of Republican Women's highly acclaimed campaign management school is coming to Maryland. Candidate or key player on the campaign team, this comprehensive one-day school covers everything you need for a winning campaign. Let the NFRW Campaign Management School give you the winning edge for 2020 and beyond. Men and women are both welcome to this training being held Saturday, June 1st from 8.30 to 5 p.m. at the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel, 210 Holiday Court, in Annapolis, Maryland. The cost is $100 and is all-inclusive, including continental breakfast, lunch, and the NFRW Campaign Management School Manual. To register, visit nfrw.org slash events. And for questions or additional information, please contact Diana Waterman, 410-490-0227, or President 
at mdfrw.org. Authority, Maryland Federation of Republican Women, Sharon Carrick, the Treasurer. Zwoele zomerhit. Klopvaste actua. De leukste cadeaus. Donna. The sound of summer. We are back. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am Brian. He is Greg. Good to be here. And uh, thanks a lot to Ryan for joining us tonight. Ryan Nyadek from the Montgomery County Teenager. Yeah, congratulations again, by the way, Ryan. Uh, graduating high school tomorrow. Yeah. It has been a long time since I did that. I won't say how long it's been for me, but it's a round number. My high school, I oh. found out today, is celebrating their 50th and It's 50th. Catoctin High School. Yeah. Celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. I graduated... <clears throat> 30 just, years ago this year. Are you having a 30th reunion? Uh, probably. Are you going? I'm going to guess it's a no. That's going to be a no. I, I wish them all well. I wish them all well. Okay. By the way, I wanted to... I oh, yes, yes. Please. I haven't had a chance. I, I wanted to show my mug here. For those of you who missed it, I was able to be in studio last week when my daughter was... And by the way, thanks for play, playing the clip of my daughter graduating from college. Uh, I was able to go join... Uh, our friend Mike Bradley in studio last week, WGMD 92.7 FM for an extended uh, period. It's great. It's a fantastic station. It was fun being on the air. I'd go in there every week if I could. It's a bit out of my way, though. Um, but uh, it was great to be there, and I got the nice mug. And, and thank you again to Mike and the guys at uh, WGMD for having us, for having me in studio and for supporting Red Maryland. Let's yes, promote yes. the conference this morning. It was, yes, that was a great promo that he it was uh, put out there. It was, it was great. And uh, so thanks again. It was a lot of fun. And, 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 and RedMarylandConference.com, by the way. Yeah, and, and if you're looking for, and there's not enough of it, if you're looking for local coverage of state and local politics, yes. let me recommend to you WGMD 92.7. WGMD.com, they have their own app. We listen, I listen Facebook. to them on TuneIn. Um if you're on, if you're in Delmarva, ninety-two point seven FM, they cover local politics, Maryland and Delaware as yeah. well, um, and not just on the shore, but throughout you know state politics. That's one of the reasons why I'm on the show. And I, you know, Mike Bradley's interviewed the governor, you know, twenty times in the last year. I think it's crazy. It's a lot. Uh, but uh, and uh, you know, they have our they have our friends uh, Delegate Anderton on all the time. Hey, brother. And, yeah, and. Uh, um, Help me out, Senator newly elected Senator, uh, yeah, Mary Beth Carosa is on all the time, and a lot of those great people. So I, I recommend you can listen to it on the internet. You can listen to it in your smartphone in your car. Um, there's not a lot of local talk radio covering state and local politics, no. and this is a great station that does it. And Mike does a great job in the mornings. So. Indeed. So one of the things Thanks I for having me talked in. And for about, the mug. One thing I talked about last week on the show was that we were still awaiting Governor Hogan's actions. On yes. a lot of bills. Yes. Uh, by that point, we had already I, – I went on ad nauseum about the education funding um, bill. Before we get into detail about what he did. Sure. And, I, and, I don't, and, I'm, and I'm interjecting, and I apologize if you hadn't gotten to this point in the story yet. There had been a, a bill signing that apparently scheduled. had been scheduled in and was, it was canceled. And I want to talk a little bit about that. If you okay. Have, so when Please, you get to that point. No, okay. go ahead now. Well, it's interesting because, again, bring it around full circle. We, this is the last week we'll be doing this. Maryland Podcast Month, If you listen, I listen to the guys on the Conduit Street Podcast, mm -hmm. which proves by Mako. Great podcast. Thanks for the shout-out for those guys, They too. did give us a little bit of a shout-out. It was, 
it was it was fun. I mean, they listened, by the way. Thanks, guys, for listening. We really appreciate it. And thanks for all your support of Maryland Podcast Month. Um, uh, they kind of more danced around us, which I thought was really fun. Um, but they had a fascinating discussion about the cancellation of the bill signing. Uh, Governor Hogan didn't sign any more bills. Correct. So all you don't the have to have a bill signing if you're not signing anything. Uh, as it turned out, that was the case. But there were hundreds of bills that no decision had been made upon. Right. And there was some discussion as to, as to uh, why he may have canceled it. Well, and I thought part of their part of the discussion, and I, and I need to give credit to these guys because I would have never thought of it, but I think it, they were spot on here. Um, the governor obviously didn't intend to sign any bills. And the bills he wanted to let go into law without a signature, I don't think there were any that he really wanted a big photo op with. Correct. Plus, it was commissioning week for the Naval which Academy. Which very true. Which would have been a huge logistical nightmare to get people in there. Which, by the way, I mean, as someone who lives near and knows what that week's like, and of course our friends on the Maryland Crabs and those guys who live in Annapolis know it more than we do. Um you know, I won't have to hear. I won't have to hear Mayor Buckley telling people, everybody, to calm down because they're all the people driving them the wrong way on the one-way streets. Uh, it sounds like a really fun time, run, fun place to live during that week when it's going on. Uh, but anyway, so that was I found that fascinating. So the governor vetoed, I think it was eight bills. Eight bills. Everything else he allowed to become law. Um, with uh, what? What do you? Well, doing? I'm trying to get. There, there were links which you have not opened yet. Okay. All right. Calm down. No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to produce while you There's talk. No links. You're trying to produce. Um, there were eight bills that he vetoed, and uh, the rest went into there's, law without his signature. I know there's another link. If you just let me produce, people wouldn't be hearing this. Right well, now. you know, if you really, this is who we're. Yeah, this you is got, who we're you linking to. Live near the food. Wow. That. What, uh, that's, what are you well, doing? Well, I'm trying to get. I, there, there were links. Oh, which see, not this is yet. why they do that. <laughs> That, that's well, why you would just let me produce. Page. I would have closed it already. I'm not letting you produce. Why would I let you produce? We're prepared. I did such a great job last week. That's why. <laughs> now, see, I ran your little commercials that you that you put together. That I did you, a little editing. You did, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was. No, I'm teasing. Uh, but anyway, so I'll bring up, and these are articles from the alliterative. Baltimore Sun Jr. website, the dark money funded alliterative Baltimore Jr. I, mean, I wasn't going to put them over. Baltimore I Sun gonna, Jr. I was just going to. Well, I didn't mention the name. I, I think you from the context as... clues. Right. But we are looking at this. So, okay. All right. You you scroll if you want to scroll. We don't have to read from it. But there were eight bills that he vetoed. Do you want to talk about the vetoes first? Let's or talk what about the vetoes first. I think these are the these the, the vetoes are not as controversial, in my opinion. I, I, as the, I'm enthusiastically as the supportive of all the vetoes. Yes. Um, Believe, the theme is not going to be what he vetoed. Right. <laughs> of any so criticism. So what he banned, what he, banned, what, he, um, what, he what he vetoed, um, the, the big one, of course, was the handgun permit review board. I think that's the one that got the most coverage. I, I, I don't know if I'd put that top of the list as far as importance goes. For some people, it would be. Uh, I don't but, know who you're talking about. But uh, the the legislature tried to get rid of the handgun permit review board, which is a, a board appointed by the governor to review decisions of the Maryland State Police. Um, the governor vetoed that. Not a surprise. That was an invasion of his prerogatives. Correct. Uh, it certainly was a veto that supported Second Amendment rights because this, this review board is there to 
to and and the complaint about the review board is that they were giving too many concealed carry permits. Right. So um it'll be interesting to see what the legislature does next year whether they try to override this or whether they go further. I want to point out something that the Baltimore Sun yes had an op-ed. Right. Where of course they had they just were having a meltdown about the governor vetoing this bill. Right. That's you know the Baltimore State Editorial Board, as we've talked about before, is to right. the left of Mao. Um, that'll well, they're, be a, they're in favor of gun confiscation. I mean, they don't be, want concealed once, carry once we do, Once we start the History of Red Maryland podcast, which, by the way, will be a Patreon-exclusive show to start off with. So yeah, you wanna, if you go to patreon.com slash redmaryland and sign up, we'll get a few more people, and we're going to get this exclusive content. You're right. definitely going to check it out. You're going to want ahead. that story. Um, oh, that's going to be a fun... That, that's going <laughs> to stay patron-exclusive, I guess. So that. they are to the left of Mao. And one of the interesting things they said is that they made a very interesting case okay. of what the governor should do once the general assembly is going to override this veto. Okay, let's make no bones about the it. The votes are likely there. The votes yes. are there. The Sun made an argument that saying that the you know that that governor vetoing this bill. To protect the handgun permit review board right. is an indictment of his state police saying that it show it, it the, the argument is that because the governor protected the handgun permit review board, which has overturned 85 percent of state police of state police decisions in this area during the Hogan administration. Is it that high? It's something like that. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't know that by talking to certain people, but true. But because of that, that it shows that, you know, that the governor has no confidence in the state police to make these decisions and that, you know, he should do a better job of making sure that the state police enforces his will about this. Right. To me, the son has now made an argument why the governor should go to, you know, eliminate good and substantial and just go straight to. You know, a shall issue as opposed to a may issue. Now, and, and interpreting and in, yeah. in an interpretation. Basically, the, the sun laid players. out the reasoning why the governor should completely throw out the reasoning that Democrats have used to basically ban, you know, concealed carry permits. Well, I think now, what, I don't I don't believe the governor is going to do that. But it's very fascinating that the sun probably unwittingly. Right has made this argument that the governor should basically just kick the actual regime, uh, carry regime to the curb. Well, I, I think what they're definitely saying is something that some folks in the Second Amendment community have been saying for a while, is that, is that if the governor really believes these permits should be issued, he should be appointing people within the state police or within state police leadership who oversee this that are putting forward a policy that is more generous in granting these, which is kind of six half dozen the same thing. You know, if you can appoint the superintendent of the state police and you can appoint this handgun board and they're at odds, it seems like you ought to want to put those policies together. I, I understand what you're saying. If Dan Bongino had been appointed chief of the state police back in the day, this would have already probably taken care of itself. <laughs> I don't think... It was so close to happening. I, well, I know certain people were angling for it. Um, not the least of which was the person. Who's, maybe who's it would have, maybe it wouldn't. But but uh, and and we'll see. And you know, again, paths have diverged since then. By the way, um, 
But the point, the, the other point is, even from the review board, you can appeal to the administrative law judge right. to the, you know, um, to, to that process. So that'll still go on. It'll be interesting to see how those folks um, who are employees of essentially of, of that agency, that semi-independent state agency, the Office of Administrative Hearings, um, how they rule on some of these things. I mean, ideally, all of these people ought to be reviewing the same statutes and making the same types of interpretations and uh, and decisions based on the same regulations. Um, and, you know, I don't assume that the Permit Review Board is doing something out of line with that. Uh, but it is interesting. It, it is an interesting point. Some of the other Which is also why I think it's not the biggest... It's not the biggest deal. I mean, if we wanted a more expansive, which you and I certainly support, more expansive concealed carry weapon permit regime in the state, that if if that could be done through executive action, through executive appointees interpreting current law, I, I agree with you. That should already be happening. Right. Some of the other things that the governor vetoed uh, included the uh, ban the box legislation. This one, I think, is much more important. And this is one I don't know that this gets overridden. This is this is an issue that, you know, that there was a bill that the governor vetoed years ago that tried to do the same thing with college applications. Mm -hmm. Basically, basically what this bill does is it doesn't allow employers in the initial process to ask whether someone's ever been convicted of a crime with the idea being. You know, the argument is you've got all these people who've been convicted of crimes who are out of work, who can't find work that are just turned away because they f have to check the box that says they've been convicted, whereas if they get some sort of, you know, secondary process, they get to an interview or something like that, and then they reveal that they have a criminal conviction, that somehow they'll get hired then, um, which is just asinine. And I think part of what the governor said was this is just wasting time with human resources and stuff like that. Businesses don't want to hire people who are convicted criminals. And if they do want to give people a second chance, they'll, they'll be willing to do that wherever in the process people disclose that. Right. I mean, I, mean the, I, I have not seen any compelling, uh, compelling argument that employers are willing to hire convicted criminals if they get through the initial screening process to an interview. Most places that have, and most places do, have some sort of ban on prior criminal conviction to work at some place. Doesn't matter where in the process they find out. They're just gonna. They're just gonna deny. You know, they're gonna give the job to somebody who hasn't been convicted of a crime. Correct. Which, you know, you hear some folks on the left. It sounds like everybody's getting convicted of a crime, which is nonsense, and really kind of offensive in a lot of ways. I think this this is a much more important piece of legislation, um, and it's much more. This is a governor really standing against kind of the excesses of that progressive ideology that says punishment is the problem and not a solution to crime. This is something the governor's consistently done. Um, and, I, and I think that one is probably more important as a veto. Doesn't get doesn't get the play, doesn't get the play on our side, doesn't get the play generally uh, as some others do. But but I think that's a that's a really important one and a consistent one that the governor's vetoed. I'm not sure that one gets overturned, but that's a heck of a campaign issue if it does. Some of the other bills that the governor vetoed uh, involved um, an oyster management Well, don't deal. skip over that. This is an important one we need well, to I talk about. I haven't gotten to that one yet. Oh, we'll skip over that. A bill that would have expanded tuition breaks. By the way, I do want to issue an apology. You were talking about oysters. Uh, I think we ate all the oysters in Salisbury when we were there. <laughs> so. 
If there was some minor delay, you should know better than not that was to the eat. dinner we you had should, in Salisbury. You should know better than to eat oysters in a month ending in R, where that doesn't end in R or doesn't have an R. I, I wasn't. I had one, but okay. uh, we had a big family dinner, and we, there were a lot of oysters. A bill that would have expanded college tuition breaks for immigrants, saying did not go far as its own common sense legislation to expand existing tuition relief programs to all Maryland students, which shows where the General Assembly's priorities lie. Right. Just right. Saying. Look. The, the, I, this is this is this is denying um, legal Maryland residents. I mean, look, what the governor vetoed was an immigration thing. They wanted to give preferences in tuition breaks for. I don't think it was just immigrants. I, if I recall correctly, it was illegal immigrants. I believe so. Or yes. or children of illegal immigrants. I mean, this was kind of an extension of the Dream Act kind of stuff. And the governor said, you know, the governor vetoed it. So first off. I hope some of the Trump, you know, supporters and the folks who are big on the immigration issue give the governor some credit on this. Part of the reason he vetoed it was he had a plan to expand tuition relief generally with a focus on on citizens and not just not just uh, immigrants or children of illegal immigrants um, that that he was able that he put forward that was rejected. As Brian points out, you see where their priorities lie. But, you know, if immigration is a big issue, this veto. So. The gun folks have something to be happy with this. Um, I think those of us who believe in law and order and the rule of law and, and you know, the pushback against kind of the lawlessness and, and anti-punishment, uh, criminal progressive view have something to be happy with. And I think those who want to see more, you know, those who argue, and I see this on Twitter all the time because people don't understand how things work. You know, That's what are you going to do, Governor Hogan, about Maryland being a sanctuary state? Well, Maryland isn't a sanctuary state. Prince George's County has a state's attorney. It's not for the Democrats' lack of trying. Yeah, it, yeah, and the governor opposed wrote it, read that Maryland stuff. last week, and, and the governor opposed that stuff. So the state's attorney in Prince George's County decides, or the the uh, the head of the uh, local um, uh, Department of Corrections or the jail down there decides they're not going to work with uh, federal authorities. Something that's happening here in Anne Arundel County as well. The result is some MS thirteen member gets out who should have been held on a detainer, murder someone, that's not a state policy. That's no. not Governor Hogan's fault. Believe me, Governor Hogan does not want that to happen. When we had this issue with a rape a couple of years ago in a school in, in Montgomery County, he was very much out in front saying these sanctuary state policies are something that's never going to happen as governor. We are not a sanctuary state. Again, not for the Democrats' lack of trying. And even on these kind of fringe issues, when you get around it, the governor vetoed this. So I think this is important to keep in mind, too. Not getting as much coverage as it should. Um, Greg's favorite veto, a bill that would have required an annual $3.8 million allocation yeah. for the state to expand its bike lane program. Now, we're going awesome. awesome. to talk more about that later. Okay. And uh, somebody in the administration is listening to the old conservative refuge. Thank God. And the, what the governor said was this was something that was stuck in at the end. This is, you know, this is something that the bike lobby is very well organized, managed to get in. Four million dollars for more bike lanes. And the governor said, look, you put it in at the last minute. This is not part of our plan. The governor is very serious about transportation spending and turning things around. And he's not going to waste four million dollars on. So we'll bike lanes. We'll again, we'll come back to that in a little God bit. God bless him. Uh, giving the General Assembly more to say over the collective bargaining process, a bill that would have expanded expanded transparency over gubernatorial appointments, which Governor Hogan said was the 103rd time the General Assembly 
has taken power from the executive branch to score a cynical That's what both of those purpose. were. Yeah. Uh, a bill that would have required trains carrying freight to have at least two crew members if it's in the same high rail corridor as a high-speed passenger or commuter train. Right. This was another union bill. The collective yeah. bargaining bill in this one was a payoff by Maryland Democratic legislators to unions. The governor vetoed it. Right. So those are the vetoes. Now, th- where things get a little more frustrating, if you are a conservative, yes. is some of the so, bills that— kudos and kudos, kudos and kudos to the governor for all of those vetoes. Yeah. So let's talk about—and again, there were 300-odd-some bills that went into right. effect that right. went into effect without the, uh, without the governor's Correct. veto. Um, three, uh, a couple of the big ones— one, the the, sty- the styrofoam ban, right, which is absurd. There's no reason the governor should not have vetoed that bill. Just okay. given it, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that one. I we, we can talk about that issue. Yes, right. that we've talked about state, the styrofoam ban. My on conservative this show. state senator and conservative delegates voted for the bill. So I know it's hard. That's to, kind of I have a bigger axe to grind with those guys than the governor saying, "Why am I going to waste my time vetoing it?" Agreed. So. Agreed. Okay. Uh, the Prescription Drug Affordability Board. Yeah, a lot of Republicans supported that. Yeah. And it is, and it, and the measure was, is not, is kind of a study. They talked about that on the Conduit Street podcast. The Gender well. X Driver's License Bill. Now, yeah, should have vetoed that. Yeah. Nonsense. Which is absurd. Nonsense. Um, absolute nonsense. But the governor has clearly avoided wading into culture war stuff well again i don't think the styrofoam bans a culture war stuff. no the styrofoam I, I, no ban, i didn't say the styrofoam, it was i didn't say oh, you're it talking was about gender x yeah got it okay yeah yeah that bill's crap too that's a that's fake science fake news just nonsense it's just a complete it's a, how, it's, i want i want to know it's and, lbgtq again, know, plus agenda item and and i know i think we talked we've talked about the gender x license before yeah we'll but talk again, about it when it passed you yeah. know we'd have maryland recalling driver's licenses and all this other nonsense for real id requirements Right. Okay. Where you have to have certain documentation to get a real ID driver's license. Correct. So how the hell are these licenses going to be real ID compliant if you're now making up this gender X nonsense? Uh, it's a fair question. Is the federal government going to accept as a real ID license something with gender X? And I know that this talk, yeah, we're talking about one half of one half of one half of one half of one percent of Marylanders of being affected by this, okay? I know we're talking about a very small, infinitesimal number of people affected by this, but it doesn't make for good policy. It's made up nonsense, and the governor should have vetoed this, and there's no excuse this went into, this went into law. I, I would have loved him to veto it. There's no good explanation for it, right? Some of the other bills. Um, expanding food stamp benefits through the summer months. Okay, I can see why he didn't veto that one. Um providing funding for legal representation for students at state colleges and universities who believe campus sexual assault policies have been violated, a bill that makes a temporary state program providing data and analysis of race-based traffic stops by police, election day voter registration. Now, the governor was probably hemmed in a little bit by this one because the Constitution... Uh, Something had to pass. Yeah, yeah. The constitu- a constitutional amendment unfortunately passed for the Democrats to make sure that voter fraud becomes institutionalized. Right. And this bill, um, the governor is not interested in abating and abetting that, quite frankly. Um, but be that as it may, the bill did go into law. 
here's the a teachers union handout that the governor did not veto, um, which was the requiring a full time teacher and a parent of a public student be appointed to the state board of education. A bill that governor vetoed last year. By yeah, way. I don't know why he didn't veto that one this year. That that one really boggles my mind because last year he vetoed it in an election year and he knew it was a bad idea and he explained why it was a bad idea. I don't know why it wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, maybe they override. I, this is something I talked about this morning with Mike Bradley. Mm-hmm. There were those of us on both sides who thought, well, after the governor's reelection, when the when the pressure to get reelected is off of him, we'll see him veto more things. We'll see, you know, we'll see the real Governor Hogan, okay? Governor Hogan's always said all along after his reelection, I'm the same guy I was before, don't expect anything to change. And sure enough, nothing has changed. We, I mean, there are a lot, obviously the governor's willing to veto bills he knows are going to be, vetoes are overwritten, okay? He's happy to pick those fights and lose. He's, he's, he's not afraid of having his vetoes overridden. We didn't get enough seats in the state Senate or the House to sustain his veto. So we know the Democrats, if they remain fairly close together, uh, particularly in the state Senate, they're going to override any veto he makes. So it makes some sense that he's going to be a little tactical. We talked about that before with the Kerwin blueprint bill. But... some of these things, it really does. You really is a head scratcher why the governor isn't vetoing more of these things, and this is this is a great example of this. Um, you know, sometimes there are bills that get overwhelming bipartisan support in the legislature, and we've talked about that before. Why should the governor stick his neck out on a bill that you know most republic? You know, I, I would think any bill the governor vetoes, every Republican should have voted against at the very least. Okay. So he's not embarrassed in a veto override where he has Republicans voting for an override, mm-hmm. okay, number one, or putting them in an awkward position. Number two, you know, but we're not going to see the governor. He's, he's going to be very selective in the fights that he makes, and some of them just don't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, this Board of Education thing, There's no- I don't get it. No. I, I don't get that one. The one that's frustrating, I think, to most conservatives, you and I included, is the Title X funding for yeah. the, the Planned Parenthood funding bill. Right. And that puts everybody, you know, that was a bill, you know, in case Title X funding is stripped from Planned Parenthood at the federal level, the state right. will supplement. Right. Uh, basically, it's making sure the state wants to make sure that your tax dollars pay for the continued murder of unborn children. Right. Let's, let's just not. Right. Let's and this not. is one, as you reported, that at, at the most recent Maryland Republican Party right. convention. There was a, you know, the state party asked the governor to veto this. Yeah, and that, that resolution which is, which, passed overwhelmingly. Which, by the way, that doesn't happen very often. I can't remember them ever passing a similar resolution ever. On public policy like that? No. Yeah. It's, That's um, a it's rare circumstance. Of. It's unheard Well, a lot of unheard of things happen, too. They passed the Impolaria um, Okay, resolution. all right, fair enough. But we'll, we, fair let's enough. come back to that. You haven't had a okay. chance to weigh in on that. Okay. Um, but there was a lot of it's it's endemic of how much pressure there was within uh, the Republican Party and within conser- the governor's conservative supporters right. to veto this particular piece of legislation. And he didn't do it. I'm and not shocked that he. Didn't, I am not surprised. I do. I do believe it shows the governor is not going to run for president. No, he can't run. He can't. You can't win a Republican primary. No, ever. You can't allow ever. You can't allow the license bill to come in and this thing to come yeah. in. 
and try to run for president as a Republican. Forget no, it. Not even ever. In 20, not even in 2024. Yeah, ever. Yeah, this, that ship has sailed. Yeah. No, I, th- th- you can't run on this kind of record. No. For, no. And that's unfortunate. Which, if, which if you, again, I go back to, but, you know, people say, well, maybe he wants to run for the U.S. Senate. Okay. All right. But even then, I mean, do you really think it's going to ruin his chances that much to veto a bill on the on the school board, the, the state board of education that he vetoed last year? Well, but you know you know what the, the ad would be in 2022. Larry Hogan opposes giving parents a voice on the board of education. Yeah, but he did it last year in an election year, and it didn't hurt I him. I know that, but this is a different... I, I don't think that's the it's reason. A different I, I'm at a loss. I, here. Oh, I, I agree. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And I'd love... And, of course, you know, the governor does this... Friday before a weekend and, and before a so holiday weekend. before a holiday weekend, which is traditional. So there's not a lot of answering that he has to do about it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm baffled. And obviously, this is what we can expect going forward for the next three years is that this governor is going to be pretty circumspect in the bills that he prioritizes to veto. Um, and, you know, most bills that are going to get passed are going to become law. Uh, with with rare exceptions, and I think when it comes to issues like social issues, um, you know, we're the kind on of our the cultural war stuff, he's not interested at all in engaging on that. I think I think when it came to guns, it was because it directly attacked his prerogative that he vetoed that bill. Uh, but it is it is a victory for second. But I'm going to make a point that I made during session, and that's that we need you know, our if the governor is not going to step up for us on these issues. The senators need to step up and make the Democrats make the tough decision. Make them filibuster this stuff. Make them get the votes to override the fil- to end the filibuster. And yeah, I know maybe it's just maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe you know maybe they don't have the votes to sustain right. a filibuster. But for crying out loud, they got to try. Certainly, the Republicans, at the very least, on bills like this, need to stick together and. Vote for the conservative principle, like the styrofoam ban, for example. Like, uh, we've like never suggested. got. We've reached out. We've publicly asked these guys why they voted for. It, never gotten an answer. Right. So never let's come back to bikes. There's a story in the Baltimore Sun. Greg, can you can pull that up, please? Um, story in the Baltimore Sun. The link's not there. Uh, talking about bike lanes in Baltimore, and right. Greg, on the conservative refuge. When the conservative refuge happens. Um, I've talked about it for years. You have. I was way ahead of the curve on this. I'm you glad were, the rest of the world is coming around. You were way ahead of the curve on this. Yeah, where um, were you guys then is what I would I, say. I was standing with you. I was side, <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. You're not. You know I'm not talking about you. I know. You're not the problem. I know. I'm just putting myself over. Ah, I feel better. Uh, no, I think you should probably find a way to address that, which I know you know, you know how to do. Why don't you set up the story? Because we know what the story is about. So there was a, a bike lane in yes. Baltimore City near a church. And, you know, that created problems for the church. And the new mayor, Jack Young. Jack Young. Jack Young decided. By the way, I had a, heard a great story last week about Jack Young. I cannot share it on the air. Oh, tease. Um, You're I'll teasing tell, us. I'll tell you after the show. Um, I, I know. I cannot tell this story on the air. Um. And he removed the bike lane. Yes. And Delegate Robin Lewis. And by the way, I, we'll get into what's in the article. 
not hard to imagine if there was something interfering with a church and the church didn't want the bike lane. Some pastor probably holds a draws a lot of water in the city, makes a phone call, and the thing disappears. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, the the cycling lobby of the city is one thing, but the yeah. pastors. That's a different level. <laughs> Those are kingmakers. Yeah. There's perceived power, and then there's real power. Right. And the, the cyclists, as much as, as self-important as the cycling lobby thinks they are, they are small fish yeah. in this pond. That's right. Delegate Robin Lewis called Tuesday on Mayor D- Young to save a protected bike lane in East Baltimore, a part of which the city plans to tear out. In right. a letter to Young... Lewis, a Democrat, said she is requesting a, quote, postponement of the deconstruction or modification of a specific segment of the Monument Street Protected Bikeway located between Asquith Street and Central Avenue. Asquith Street, whatever. Lewis said she believed a compromise could be reached between city officials at church near the bike lane that objected to it because of lost parking ah. and residents of the area who used to use it to get around. Protected bike lanes are typically separated from traffic by plastic poles, other now- barriers, or parking spaces. Now, do you think there are a lot of those cyclists who are riding their bikes to that church? Probably not. Going to guess no. Mr. Mayor, please halt the deconstruction and bring everyone to the table, Lewis wrote. Nevertheless, Young said Tuesday at least a portion of the bike lane was scheduled to be torn out Wednesday. Good job, Mayor. Yeah. He said the nearby church was never consulted about the plan to build the lane, shocker, and its installation about six months ago eliminated some street parking spaces used by church members. The bike lane has to be altered, said Young, a Democrat who became mayor this spring. I was not consulted even when I was president of the city council. There you go. Lewis said recently she spoke with Young by phone about the matter, and she agrees the parking for the church must be considered. (laughs) You kindly explained that members of the Foundation Baptist Church have contacted you sometime in the past to express their objection to the loss of approximately 12 parking spaces resulting from construction, Lewis wrote. The delegate said in her letter she disagreed with Young's contention that bike lanes aren't important to Baltimore residents who are black. Yes. Finally, someone says it. That's not me. Both Lewis and Young are black. Thanks for clarifying. I agree with you completely that our city and state agenda agencies must do better when it comes to timely and inclusive outreach with our African-American community. Right. However, I disagree with your suggestion that protected bike infrastructure is not a concern of African-American people. It is not. The people who are in the bike, we've talked about this a million times. The people who are in the cycling community, by and large, are affluent white people. That's who they are. Often, it's it's affluent progressives, people you know, who are not from the city. Working class African American folks do not ride their bicycles and do not see bicycles as a part of a transportation infrastructure that's going to help them in their day-to-day lives. Yeah, as most people don't either. By the way, cyclists are a very small percentage of. The population. I mean, the vast majority of us get have other ways to get around. Okay, there are a few people who enjoy cycling as an avocation and who think that it's so great and that they're saving the environment and they're physically fit and that's a panacea for all the world's problems that they want it integrated and get millions of dollars more from the state and localities and tax dollars and working in an infrastructure and take away, you know, church going people's parking spaces and you know, narrow streets in some places in the city so that the emergency vehicles can't get down, you know, mess up the traffic in Annapolis because they think they're entitled to do this. Right. Because they think they're part of a, you know, special class of people. Privileged. A privileged class white of and people. Privileged. And they are predominantly not only white, they're predominantly affluent. Yeah. And because because most working people, and I would definitely put myself in this category, 
the the luxury that you have to have to ride your bike is time. Yes. Even in the city, to ride your bike to, you know, you hear these, oh, we'll ride our bike to work. Well, if you can, if you have an extra hour, you know, to ride a bike to work, and that's if you live fairly closely. Right. I mean, if you have an hour commute in a car, you, you can't ride a bike. No. So then the dorks at bike more. They really get, they really, yeah. they really, Always, really. I've broken down bike more for their, years. Have their Irish up. Just search bike more on redmaryland.com. The advocacy group Bike More argue that tearing out parts of the lane endangers the city's ability to win federal and state transportation grants. Some of which the governor's just veto. And undercuts recent legislation making an approach to, mandating an approach to transportation plan that looks beyond the use of cars alone. Which is the governor just veto. Spending $50,000 to resign, redesign a brand new bike lane so that it's less safe is not okay, says Liz Cornish, Bike More's director, who's not originally from Baltimore. She's it not. violates the city's complete streets law and will continue to push the city out of favor with the Maryland Department of Transportation. I don't know that it will. Hold on. Wait for it. <laughs> Why are we risking people's safety and millions in state funding for transportation for 12 parking spaces when multiple alternatives exist? Which basically is a privileged white woman's yeah. way of saying this African-American church means nothing to me. Right. And that I have more rights than they do. That's what it says. It's privileged nonsense. Yeah. It's nothing woke about it. I mean, it's basically saying that white people who move to Baltimore City from other towns have more, uh, more rights and privileges than native African-American communities. Yeah. And uh, that's look, racist. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and we, Bikemore is racist. Though they'll, they'll, they'll tell you that they have this, and we've, we've covered this at length in the past and kind of gone back and forth with it when we did it. Their vision of, of Baltimore is this panacea that, you know, th- they can reduce all the city's health problems and the obesity epidemic and all that kind of and the asthma problem. If they got all the kids to ride bikes everywhere and we had more bike infrastructure, all this would go away. Well, you know, cycling like I, I think all issues are, at the end of the day are cultural issues. Right. It's absolutely true with cycling. OK, cyclists have a mindset and have a have a cultural view, okay, that is much more like not saying these people are necessarily from there, but they have a cultural view, particularly with regard to cycling and driving cars, that is much more like what you would see in parts of Europe or in China or places like that. It's not an you know, Ameri- the traditional American cultural view that transcends race, frankly, is that the car is the essential American way to get from place to place. If you live in an urban environment, public transportation is the way that you get from place to place to work, to shop, um, to to go out for entertainment. That's how you do it. That's why our infrastructure is built the way that it is. The vast majority of people, I don't care how many bike lanes you make, the vast, 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 vast majority of people are never going to ride bikes places. Right. They may ride bikes for fun on a trail or in the woods, Right. but they are not using bikes as a commuting tool. Right. And and by the way, the more and, and by the way, I've talked about this a million times. The more people you get on roads with cars and trucks, you see injury rates going up. And this has been chronicled. And Probability all this and business. statistics. Yeah, that's business. clever. Um, so th- this is another chapter in the bike lash that's been going on um, over the years. You know, when I started talking about cycling a few years ago, the cyclists got whatever they want. People weren't even aware right. of what was going on. Now you've seen time after time at a time, and Baltimore City is 
you know, their bike sharing program went up in smoke uh, because it was a disaster. Um, bike lanes in various parts of the city, usually bike lanes in in places dominated by white affluent citizens, you know, the places that were being gentrified, uh, where it became impractical to have them. Um, you got a pushback from mayors who are predominantly elected by working class African-Americans. The kind of folks who go to this church are the people who end up electing mayors in the city of Baltimore. Yes. Not the people who ride their bikes, though they have kind of outpaced influence right. with, within the because political structure. Because they're white, privileged, and rich. Yes. Right. Um, and it's not exclusive to Baltimore City. We saw the same thing happen in Annapolis where you had, you know, and, and look, <laughs> I'm sure they're all very nice people. But John Kieran and all these kind of guys are in the AAA cycling group here in Anne Arundel County. You know, that get in the ear of of the county executive that we have and the mayor of Annapolis and convince them that these bike lanes are a good idea, you know, when they go and put into place and people actually have to deal with them who weren't aware this was coming down. the bike. It's a disaster. Yes. And they have to yank them out because of the pushback. And you would think savvy politicians. Now, unfortunately, I'd love to say these are all Democrats, but they're not. You would think savvy politicians would see that and get ahead of the curve next time and not listen to the, you know, siren songs of the cycling community. I think Governor Hogan is starting to see that. I think that veto was part of that. I think some of the other decisions he's made within his administration over the years have done that. And and look, we've gotten hate because of the governor's decision now on that veto. Let's talk about that for a second. Which okay? Because every time we talk, I w- I'll take credit for it. I'd love to. Take every time for it. we tweet about cycling or talk about cycling, you get yeah, this just class did. of Baltimore Twitter, which just has a meltdown. Yeah, a complete meltdown. Right. Including usually, it's always it's always people who are, are hiding behind. They're not their real names. They're right. not their real. Well, there's avatar. one guy who's Internet, a lawyer up there. Who inter- I guarantee you, some affluent white guy who no, doesn't. He's probably like us. a copy boy and pretending to be a lawyer. Um, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The point being is the fact you got a lot of internet tough guys who hide, you know, hide their names, hide their affiliations and stuff like that. Right. And my personal favorite, let's guess, Greg said was basically um, that the governor only vetoed the bike, the three point eight million dollar bike funding bill, as an attaboy to us. I'll take it. I mean, which is great. If that's I would if we're gonna get if take that all day. If the long. governor's handing out vetoes, I had a long other list of things I would have preferred: um, the styrofoam ban, the abortion funding. Right, but we'll take you it. You know, we'll I, take it. I, I appreciate the fact it wasn't obviously. I appreciate the but fact we'll that, take it. that these these goofs think we have that much that level of stroke in the administration. But you know, it just goes to show you there's there's this privileged class of people. Um. There's this privileged class of You're people. getting distracted. You can't look at your phone while you're trying to make and a point. They, they think that nobody should question them. And anytime somebody points out the stupidity right. of bike lanes, how dangerous bike lanes are, how their white privilege does not earn them a damn thing, including bike lanes, they cry and moan and act out and call names and all this other stuff. It's hilarious and how pathetic it is. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I do follow some of these groups, and it is they are getting more and more pushback. Yes. That's definitely been the trend. What's happening in this story in Baltimore is just another chapter in the pushback, the bike clash, as I call it. It's a real phenomenon. 
Cycling, who was on the offensive for a long, long time, is still extremely well organized um, and are still very much pushing their agenda as hard as they can. People are starting to catch up to it, and politicians aren't far behind. You know, it's one thing to have someone convince you to put that bike lane money into the budget, but when people actually have to drive down the road with the bike lane and then the and then the fire truck can't get down, you know, get down the lane because the way that it's set up, it's too narrow. Or, you know, the local church loses parking spaces because of it. I mean, this is just simple politics. It's just the way that it works. And um, some politicians eventually are going to be are going to be a little more forward thinking and realize, OK, this doesn't work. I need to stop listening to these guys. And that's what's happening. And I think they are more on the defensive. So you're going to see more decisions like this. And in I the city so. of Baltimore and the city of Baltimore, which is predominantly if you look at who elects people and you're going to have a very competitive election coming up, the people who end up casting the votes that determine, you know, they have to raise money from from the business people and people who have vested interests. But the voters are, are predominantly working class. African-Americans make up the majority yes. of the votes in that city, particularly in the Democratic primary. And, you know, the the the, the white affluent progressives are not there aren't enough of them they have they're out influenced in their donations and stuff like that but this is an issue where if push comes to shove and you know it's the local pastor of the baptist church versus uh you know bike more i think we see who wins that face off in you know progressive uh <laughs> intersectional politics in baltimore 2019 yeah so we take a the, little shot in Freud in that. Yeah, these cycling folks flexing their muscle, talking about how much power they have, really shows how little power they have, especially when it comes to the actual key players in the game. And we love it. You can take your cycling lanes and shove them where the sun don't shine. So and they lose their biking them. lanes, and the governor vetoed their, all that funding they kept talking about. There. So now that we've almost success, <laughs> now that we've almost successfully taken out the cycling movement, we need to make more progress on the heightened anti-clown movement. Well, I think I think we've damaged the clown movement, but what you know, yes, that's a never never ending fight. All of Be these fair, are never one, ending. One could say that the clown movement and the cycling movement are are like this. Well, because they're kind of clowns. I, I understand what you're you trying get to jokes? say. You get happy. jokes. Let leave leave the driving to me. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, why don't we wrap this? Show Best up? of conservative refuge on Red Maryland Radio. Will we ever see a conservative refuge, Greg? Yeah, we probably will some point maybe i don't know you've covered all the stories now i don't have anything to talk about we'll see can you believe this we'll can see. you believe this oh uh, well anyway <laughs> would people just want to listen to me well they're going to in two weeks yes uh, next week things. i will be flying solo on yes. uh, red maryland radio greg will be at rift tracks yes i'll he, be going out with my wife to enjoy star raiders he is star raiders Prison. yes do the raiders have any stars left Ha <laughs> See, I got jokes. I got jokes they for do. days. More than the Orioles. Where I will be in two weeks uh, watching the Orioles. Yeah. But I've only gone twice this week. Uh, are the Only twice this week. Were you able to get tickets? I look at your pictures and I'm like, uh, do you, now do you sit on the mezzanine or is it the upper? No, level? we're in section 336. I don't deck. know what that means. Upper deck, right behind home plate. There's like five seats behind you at the very top. I mean, how many empty seats are you looking at between Enough. <laughs> the field? Enough. I'm like, let's, All let's right, walk I'm gonna, down. I'm gonna go on you a can rant. probably just walk into a box seat. I'm going to go on up to a rant real quick. 
okay, about that last night. I mean, the, all because the we were, probably know you at this we point. Were, we were about 1,000, 1,500 feet from the entrance to Camden Yards. Okay. And that's when I realized, man, why, why are all these people bringing dogs? And I'm like, oh, hell, it's bark at the park night. Oh, they let them bring their dogs to the, bring the baseball the dirty, game. Dirty, gross dogs to the <laughs> ball game. Wow, you haven't pissed off a new group of people in a while. So dogs, dogs are dirty animals. Oh wow, this is Brian Griffith. Send they, your letters and cards to Brian they Griffith. Eat poop. Send your cards and letters to Brian. I am not okay. That's I don't own a dog personally, but I have no ill will. But a cat owns you. No, it's it's kind of a mutual thing. <laughs> I, I'm a cat guy, but. I have no problem with dogs. I think dogs are great. People love their dog. People love their dogs. Brian, you are you are jumping into very deep water. I have met one People dog. People love liked. their dogs. I have met one dog I've liked. Okay, all right. Please, do, please one. don't go after dog. Order. I'm just I'm just warning. You can do what you want. I'm just warning you as a friend. I'm I'm just saying this. I don't. You can have a dog. Whatever. I don't care. Whatever. Right. It's a dog park. It's not. I mean, sorry. It's not a dog park. It's a ballpark. Okay. Keep I, the damn dogs out of the ballpark. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. End of sermon. I love dogs, and people love dogs. I God don't. bless you. I like hot dogs. By the way. Oh, uh, well, did you enjoy? <laughs> now I'll ask you if you watched Chernobyl last week, but you're on HBO. No, but I heard it was very good. The show in general is Oh, hot fantastic. dogs. That's funny. <laughs> I get no, it. they were shooting dogs in last week's episode. Well, yeah, because they were hot. They were radioactive. That's true. That is true. Yeah. That's that is point. where you were going for it. Wow. They were ahead of that. Okay. Yeah, All right. Having that. not seen it, I didn't. Assume but they did it. have to change this year from SK hot dogs to Hoffman's hot dogs, which is based out of Westminster. Because SK, SK went out of business. SK is no more. Right. And, you know, in that episode of Chernobyl, and I'm changing the subject, they they had to kill all the animals because they were radioactive of and they were dangerous. And and they had, they chronicled as kind of the subplot of the episode these poor Russian army guys who had to go around and hunt, hunt pet. Now they they emphasized the dogs, yeah, but they also had to kill cats, which I imagine is a much harder thing to do. Oh yeah, because the dogs, as they pointed out in the episode, the dogs would run up to them, okay, because they were friendly, um, which is tragic and terrible, and people were very very upset about this. I mean, I mean, two episodes ago they had people literally melting alive because of radiation. That didn't seem to get people's ire, but, but shooting showed, dogs. showed dogs getting shot, most of which was off screen. And to be fair, were very dogs upset. were but shot. In hunting Soviet cats Union would a lot, be hard, often for food. Hunting cats would be hard to do. You are correct. Harder even than hurting them. Yes, it would be. So anyway, so anyway, they switched hot dogs, and uh, I, it right. sounds blasphemous to say this, but I think the Hoffman's dogs might be better than the SKs were. I don't think that's blasphemous. They don't exist anymore. I mean, yeah. you know. I was very angry when they switched when they closed. I was very sad, really. I was angry when they switched from pe- from Coke to Pepsi. Oh, okay. That's All a right. war crime. Okay, you're a Coke guy. I'm a Coke guy. Yeah. Though I do enjoy many PepsiCo products. Pepsi Coke. Pepsi Co. Okay. From the good people at the Pepsi Company. Yeah, Mountain Dew. That's, that's yeah. about it. I basically live on Mountain Dew. Yes. Diet, diet, diet Mountain, Mountain Dew. Dew. Yeah, they sell caffeine-free Mountain Dew. Why? Yeah, I don't know either. Why? What's the point? I, I, I can't answer I that. I can drink water. If you want me to just drink water, I can do that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've been trying to close this show, and we got pretty far afield from that. The point yeah, being is that thank you for watching this week's episode of Red Maryland yes. Radio. Thanks to Let's the see them talk about this on the Hunt Club. Thank, and thanks to those guys for joining us. They were good sports and uh, appreciate it. You should check out their show. It's a different perspective. You should it's a have fun different sh- perspectives in your podcast feed. Log a little time with it. 
it's it's a fun it's a fun show. I enjoyed checking it out when I checked it out. Yeah, check it out. And again, thanks to Ryan Nidak, graduating tomorrow from school, chairman for a couple of, a little bit longer, the Montgomery County Teenage Republicans, joining yeah. us to talk about that. And of course, don't forget um, the Montgomery County Teenage Republicans Banquet, which is on June the 11th. Right. That's with Governor Ehrlich. You can right. email Ryan, ryan at uh, niadek.net uh, for tickets to that. And that's authority of uh, Montgomery County Central Committee, Don Irvine, Treasurer. And, of course, Montgomery County also has their Lincoln Day dinner coming up featuring Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford. Go to mcgop.com for information about both those events, honestly. And, again, that's authority of the Montgomery County Republican Party. Um, right. Don Irvine, Treasurer. There's a link and, with more information at redmaryland.com. And show the page. National Federation of Republican Women Campaign School is this Saturday. If you have nothing going on this Saturday. This Saturday. Check it out. A lot of good stuff there at nfrw.org slash events. You can still buy your tickets and get in there. You get lunch. It's a double tree uh, in Annapolis, which is a good place to go. It's a great place. Um, and by the way, where the state party convention will be this fall. By the okay, way. good. Returns to so, the and, and again, there's a link at redmaryland.com. You know, we had somebody in our last month's poll say, you guys should should organize a candidate school. Well, we don't have to because the great people at the National Federation of Republican But Women, we have organized the Red Maryland uh, Leadership did Conference. We Go did. RedMarylandConference.com. Hey, you, if you haven't gotten your yes. tickets yet, Early bird tickets are available until midnight tomorrow night. Yeah. Red Conference dot com. Save yourself a few bucks. Get in the door. It's gonna sell out. Red Conference Conference dot com. If you have an organization, you want to participate, you want to have a have a uh, a vendor table, we want to talk to you, we want to hear from you. Red Conference dot com. Please subscribe to Red Maryland Network Programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Speak, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google Play. And have shows like this one automatically downloaded to the device of your choice. Correct. Uh, we are here every Thursday, usually every Thursday. Yeah, we're here every with, Thursday. Uh, with Red Maryland Radio, the flagship show. One or both Greg of us. occasionally does the conservative refuge. Right. Uh, I, I'm just busy. I'll I, try. I, I can't I will, promise I will, but I'll I will bring try. you. The, I will try to bring you an air raid this weekend. And by the way, I, you did a great job from the one from the state party convention. I urge people to go you. back and listen to that. Thank you. I got. I need to do better with my mic technique. Um, possibly need to get a mic screen, a windscreen. Might need to budget for that. Uh, I think we can probably swing that. Of course, if people go to Patreon.com/slash/RedMaryland, give us a little more. We can do more with that, and but. we'll be able. To, and we'll start soon. The uh, the history of Red Maryland podcast, yeah. which is going to be. Um, I don't want to say it's too hot for reg- the regular feed, but some of it will be. Some of it we will design to be, yes. Yes, it will be. Because con- we want people to help us on patreon.com slash Red Maryland. And we'll give you something special. We'll give you the, I mean, some of this we're dying to say anyway. Yeah. Some of it we just want to chronicle kind of the history if you're interested in it. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll tell you where the body's buried. Someone needs to, someone needs to say it. <laughs> There's stories, and Brian and I have talked about them. There's stuff that we've never said on the air that it's time, it's time. Yeah, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you know help a brother out if you want to. Indeed, Patreon.com/slash Red Maryland. Of course, the home base RedMaryland.com. Please uh, make sure that you like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Red Maryland. Thank you to everybody who's been watching on Facebook Live. Thank you very much. We're on Twitter at Red Maryland. We are on Instagram at Red Maryland. Please, 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 please. Invite your friends, family, neighbors, colleagues, coworkers, co-religious, in-laws, and outlaws to like our stuff. Share our stuff with them. You are the force multiplier. Invite them to the leadership conference. Invite them to uh, in- invite them to to like us and to follow our stuff and share yes. it with your groups, your community yes. groups, your civic organizations, LinkedIn, 
um, next door, everything like that, you know, parlay or parlor, whatever this new thing Trump's talking about now. We need to get on that, I guess. Make sure we have our account registered for that. I don't know what he's talking about. On Codius, whatever the hell you're on. Right. You know, share our stuff and please help us grow our reach and the reach of the conservative movement in Maryland. If you want to contact us, call us um, or email us, redmaryland at gmail.com. Good old-fashioned electronic or call Maryland. or text the Red Maryland Talkback line, 410-205-4875. What's that number? 410-205-4875. We will feature your comments in a future Red Maryland well. Network program. Folks, we read everything, okay? We do. We don't necessarily put it on the air. Some people are helpers. Okay. Some people yeah, think they're helping. Some people were doing you a favor. Some people want us to read a list of 38 businesses they want us to boycott. Yeah. 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 Not so yeah. much. That doesn't work. But we read everything. By the way, if you want to send us a message, we're happy to receive your message. Don't include us on your email circulation list of your yeah. crazy thoughts about federal politics, which we don't really talk about. Right. Spare us that. There is an option for us to block. Which we're able to employ, but don't make us do that. Yeah, we don't want to do that. We want to hear from and, you. And you know, we we enjoy people who want to promote themselves. We respect the hustle. Game respects game. But come on, man. <laughs> come on. At least say, "Hey, this guy would be a great guest," and it's you. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Man. Try harder. Just come on. be straightforward. Yeah. Anyway, Greg, any final thoughts? Uh, fun to have the guys from the Hunt Club podcast. Check on. them out. Uh, and it's a. This has been. This is our last podcast for uh, Maryland Podcast Month. Kudos to you, Brian. Thank a you. huge, huge success. Second year in a row. Can't wait to see how much bigger it gets. Thank you to everybody. And, and, I already know, have some ideas for next year. You know what's really cool is we got to get to know better other people who are doing. Yes, it was really cool just talking to those guys from the Hunt Clubs. They're cool guys. I mean, you could tell just talking yeah. to them. That and was a very fun. It was a very friendly conversation that we had. Again, totally different worlds. You know, the Venn diagram, to- those circles do not intersect. It's a bicycle. But uh, those guys were a lot of fun, and they were very cool to talk to. Uh, the Conduit Street guys, I'm flattered they listened to us. I would have never assumed they listened to us. It's cool that they do. I listen to them every week. Same. So it was fun to work with, with them on this. And a lot of the other folks that, that we've talked to and the guys you talked to last week and, and so many different shows. There's a lot of great podcasting contents being produced in Maryland. We're happy to be a part of it and to celebrate it and to get it out to you. And I encourage all of you to go to Maryland Podcast Month. And it'll still be up. So it's not like, you know, on June 1st it disappears. No, it'll still be Still go there and check the links and check some of these other great podcasts out. And bigger and better next year, which will be great. For everybody here at the network, Absolutely. thank you very much for listening. For Greg Klein, I am Brian Griffiths. You have been listening to the Red Maryland to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Oh, radio, tell me everything you know. I like to sing with the radio. I like to play it real loud.